Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me as always is my buddy Marcus. Marcus, how you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, seasonally appropriate to shows we get to cover as we are heading into our fall season, uh, mm-hmm. both in real life currently and right here. Um, yeah, talking about Taboo Tuesday and Survivor Series, two concept shows, so pretty pumped to do that. Yes, for sure, uh, and we're really starting to wrap up the calendar year of 04 and starting to tick toward by the time we're done tonight, getting close to the end of our season. And here on duty war, what we're doing is watching every duty pay-per-view ever. We're doing it via season mode, which is where we start with the first pay-per-view following WrestleMania and then ending with WrestleMania the following calendar year. So for this 0405 season, we start with backlash of four. We wrap up WrestleMania 21. We talk about two pay-per-views an episode and we break down every show with a plus-minus system. So if you think of the most basic average part of a pay-per-view of a match of anything to do with wrestling as average, if it's above average or we consider it something worth you know, being above average, we give it a point. If it's below average, we do a negative point, And then we net all of that out into uh, one big final grade. We also grade every match. Marcus gives his match grade. I get my, my match grade. We net those out as well. Uh, and tally those up among some other categories to see where each pay-per-view all-time will rank. We then stack rank them all. We're going to rank the seasons. We're going to do awards. A lot of stuff going on here. If you are a numbers, stat, nerd, wrestling fan, this is uh, the podcast for you, no doubt. Uh, Marcus, do you want to run down all the categories that we're going to break down here tonight? Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, First, we start off with build, then the commentary of the show, the atmosphere of the event, 
notable moments and importance that happen, our match grades, card structure, rewatchability, and our all-time matches, which, if we both agree that a match is 4.25 and above, that is an all-time match in the plus column, and Mm -hmm. if a match is a .75 or below by both of us, then it gets a minus all-time match grade. All right, and uh, on our last episode, we covered Unforgiven 04 and No Mercy 04. Unforgiven uh, really clocked in to be one of the worst shows uh, that we've covered so far. So we'll see if either of these end up in those doldrums as well, or if either can really uh, maybe climb up and carry the back end of 04 here. All right, so let's start with Taboo Tuesday. It's the first of its kind. It's on a Tuesday night, October 19th, 2004, from the Bradley Center, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Only 3,500 in attendance, uh, according to Wikipedia. It is uh, only 174,000 buys as well. So not a ton of interest. It's a tough night. Uh, It's the first ever pay-per-view on a Tuesday since this Tuesday in Texas. Of course, Beware of Dog 2 was also on a Tuesday. But as far as like scheduled pay-per-views, it's the first one on a Tuesday since 1991. It's a different concept where they did fan voting. So they had all kinds of different polls uh, and gimmicks to have fans be interactive with the card itself. They spent a lot of time on Raw, specifically the night before this show, kind of nudging fans in the direction that they wanted them to take them uh, on the pay-per-view itself. I will say, like, having that Raw be the night before the pay-per-view was definitely beneficial in ways because they were able to really hard sell the show. Uh, But a Tuesday night pay-per-view, I think, was just not something fully uh, necessary at this point. I mean, TNA was running Wednesday night pay-per-views for a while. That was pretty much done by this point. So I don't think anyone was clamoring for a Tuesday night pay-per-view uh in 04 also they did have some heavy competition marcus uh whether we liked it or not this is up against game six of the 2004 alcs between the yankees and the red sox oh yes and this is where the red sox would go up four to two uh win four to two to not the series at three apiece um this was shilling i believe the bloody was this the bloody sock game i think that was a wednesday night game uh so that might have happened the, the previous the previous week. Uh, okay. What game was this? Schilling pitched this one. Okay, maybe that is the Bloody Sock game then. Or is this um yeah game six? Schilling's epic performance through adversity. So it's the Bloody Sock. Okay, Sock. so it's the next night at church. My buddies all made fun of me for losing to the Reds. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, awful. John Lieber went seven and a third, gave it four runs. I mean, you know, not bad for John Lieber. <laughs> Great start by today's standards. Yeah, Schilling just shoved. Um, so that was going on. It was also a memorable night um, for those that have been tracking historically the recent travails of Scott Criscolo and his car uh, issues when he comes to visit me. Uh, we were both in uh, living Connecticut at this point. We watched the show together on the Tuesday night and on his way home, his car died uh, and he had to call a tow truck. It was not salvageable. He ended up getting his way, making his way home. And having to buy a new car. So wow. this is the end of Scott Criscolo's uh, first car that I knew that he had since I had met him. And it began a long tale of uh, car issues for Mr. Criscolo on visits to my house or apartment. But um, so that was a memorable night. We watched the show together, the two of us. And I think I was off Tuesdays at that point. I was I had like there was a stretch where I had like Mondays and Tuesdays off or Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I think it might have been around that time. So uh, we gathered, watched that, watched the stupid Red Sox win. And then his car died. So tough night all around. <laughs> oh man, just throw it all in the minus bin. What a, yes, a tough all evening. Of. All right, uh, dark match. 
out of nowhere, Sergeant Slaughter defeats Muhammad Hassan by disqualification. So we're going to talk more about Hassan soon. Uh, I don't know why they brought Slaughter. I guess Slaughter was working backstage, but why they rolled him out for a dark match. Um, but that's what they did. So that's that. It's, it's the once a year rider he has in his contract where he uh, gets to go out and play wrestle. I don't know if Hassan was even on TV. I guess like they play up his undefeated streak later. So this must, this might've been when they were workshopping it before he's actually on, um, on TV. So yeah. we'll see. All right. Opening match is Chris Jericho defending the intercontinental title against the winner of a fan vote. And the fans would vote for Shelton Benjamin with almost 37.5%. Batista came in second with 20.11%. The coach was 7%. Christian was 6.69%. Rhino, 5.7%. Maven, 4.2%. William Regal, 3.8%. The Hurricane, 37 I don't know who's voting for Tyson Tomko, but he had 2.5%. Tajiri with 2.3%. Stevie Richards with 2.2%. Val Venus, fittingly, with one69 Rosie with 1.1, Chuck Palumbo 0.68, and Rodney Mack somehow got 0.58% of the vote. Uh, but Shelton Benjamin is the choice, of course. He had uh, come over to Raw, gone solo right after Mania. So a pretty good spot for him to be in. And I like this match a lot. I thought it was a really good opener. Uh, I thought it was a cool moment because Shelton ends up winning the IC title. So you really get the gimmick over as like, the fans made this choice and anything can happen. And yes, titles may change. So mm-hmm. the fans drove this title change of Shelton Benjamin becoming intercontinental champion. I went three stars, Marcus, a really strong opener uh, and really a, a nice flyer of offense for Shelton throughout. And they put him over yeah. as an emerging star. Yeah. I like this right away. Like you're showing some impact, um, you know, of the, of the fan voting and uh, you know, it has some consequences. So that's really cool. And I can tell you that I was one of the 2% that cast a vote for Stevie Richards on this night. Um, just kidding. Now I think I put my vote towards a uh, big daddy, Dave Batista. Um, but yeah, uh, three for me as well. Really solid match. Um, I liked everything about it. So uh, next we go to uh, our match for the women's title, which is a, one, two, three, four, five, six, a seven way, I believe. Uh, as Trish Stratus is going to retain, uh, defeating the likes of Nydia, Jazz, Gail, Kim, Molly Holly, Victoria, and Stacey Keebler. And of course, this is the uh, schoolgirl match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with 1.5. Um, it's your typical you know, diva multi woman match, brawl slash battle royal style match of this era, but. Um, you know, the, you got some solid workers in there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the work was pretty decent for what they wanted the match to be. I would say it even <laughs> exceeded the expectations. Uh, but 1.5 for me. Yeah, well, one and a quarter. Uh, the voting results were as follows: Schoolgirl won with 53%, French Maid with 30, Nurse with just under 17%. Uh, so a few notes here. This is Nidia's final pay-per-view appearance. This is uh, Stacey Keebler's final pay-per-view appearance. She actually hands around to 2006, but is never on pay-per-view again uh, before she heads over to Dancing with the Stars and dates George Clooney and all that <laughs> comes after this. But um, <laughs> apparently she also co-founded an ABA team, which I was not aware of. So oh, good for her. Um, and uh, also Molly Holly's final pay-per-view match. She hangs around until April, but she's not on pay-per-view again. So three of the uh, and also jazz's last pay-per-view match she's going to november so wow four of the stalwarts uh of like the last few years here the women's division all wrap up here and we really get a lot of turnover into 05 of the women's division 
Finally, this is also a pretty big uh, infamous moment. Trish Stratus and the schoolgirl outfit is like all time everything. Um, yes, we do get Jerry Lawler being creepy on a school girl, schoolgirls, but her with the plaid skirt and the white button down is like with basically the Britney Spears look is all it's an all timer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, next up, we roll on with Gene Snitsky taking on Kane. Uh, this is a weapon of choice match. So the fans get to pick which type of weapon and chain wins with just under 41%. A chair had 30% uh, and the uh, pipe led pipe at 29%. So chair chain uh, barely wins. Snitsky was an indie wrestler had been working in WXW, which I believe is office group, yeah, right? Yep. Strain there. Uh, went for some seasoning OVW and it looked like he was a jobber at first. Like he's just fighting Kane on raw uh kane uh defeats Snitsky like really quickly lita comes in and Snitsky hits kane with a chair and kane would fall on lita and end up causing a miscarriage of their baby and now it's like Snitsky's subtly a, a guy so he, mm-hmm. he says he has an interview and he says uh it wasn't my fault and that ends up being his catchphrase <laughs> uh we'd also get him kicking a, a baby uh, carriage and a doll out of the ring um so he becomes quite a little heel here unfortunately as part of that what goes with it is kane kind of turns face and i got a problem with that over these next few shows like Mm -hmm. this is a guy that ostensibly you know murdered matt hardy stole his woman (laughs) raped her and had a baby with her and now like we're supposed to cheer him against it it's just like it was really kind of weird like it didn't feel right cheering Kane is trying to cheer Kane to the face throughout this. Um, that said, Snitsky actually beats him, which was like surprising at the time. Like, I don't want to say clean because chains are involved, but pr- pretty much clean. Um, you know, basically it does what Kane did to Sean earlier in there. He pulmonizes his, his throat, puts him on the sideline. But then after the match is one of my favorite pay-per-view moments of all time, Marcus. Kane is on a stretcher tied down. And just as he's reaching the back at the top of the stage, out comes Nisky and flips the gurney over. And Kane flops face first on the steel. Uh, it reminded me of, like Homer getting dropped out of the ambulance down the uh, <laughs> down the mountain on a stretcher. Or just like last month where Paul London was smashed by a shooting star press on a stretcher. Um, but I thought this was awesome spot. Uh, the match itself is kind of whatever. I went two and a quarter. It's just a brawl. But the post-match is where it's at for me. Yeah, I love a good Haas match, but this was only two for me uh, just because I, I felt like the match tried to be something that it just wasn't. Um, but, yeah, it's all about the post-match. Uh, what an awesome way to get Snitsky over, uh, to take him just from being, you know, just, all right, here's a pretty decent-sized, juiced-up job guy to, all right, well, I guess he's on the roster to, you know, now he's a despicable heel. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, even – Equally evil with Kane, as we've, you know, as you said, Kane has done some pretty terrible things uh, all this season on screen. So uh, they really went in with Snitsky here to give him the big push, and uh, it worked, man. It really did. Uh, memorable moment. Crowd got up for it, and uh, good piece of business. Yep. Um, takes us to a questionable piece of business as Eugene versus Eric Bischoff takes place, and we find out after the match the stipulation uh, and the stipulations that the fans could vote on were uh, loser's head is shaved, loser wears a dress, or loser is the winner's servant. 
and by a vote percentage of 59%, it was a loser's head is shaved match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bischoff takes the L here. Uh, two minutes is the match, but everything yeah, two, else takes forever. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. It really takes a long time getting to this. Vince mm-hmm. comes out, um, basically threatens Bischoff's job. Uh, gets Bischoff in the chair, takes a while for the shears to work. Bischoff's hair is too long, so they have to cut it with scissors. Uh, They really could have used Ed Leslie here to speed up this process. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, We get Coach. Coach is in a dress, which is at ringside, so Vince makes him put the dress on Mm -hmm. um, and wear it for the rest of the night. Uh, Just too long to get to what we needed, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, and, and Coach tries to swerve the step, right? He says, oh, the real step was uh, Bischoff's your servant for five minutes. And right. Vince comes out and overturns it. Uh, Vince is, is pretty funny um, during this, though. He calls Coach a slut uh, and then because he's got the dress on. And then he says, when they shave Eric's head, he realizes he's gray underneath the black dye. He goes, you're a phony, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Felt a little real, that one did. Yeah, that one definitely did. So, anyway. Yeah, not much going on. I, I went uh, dud for this. Uh, no, actually, I went a half a star. Whatever. It's, it's at least was two two minutes, so they didn't drag. Yeah, we, we both. It's all the stage. fluff around it that really makes it feel long. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is our tag team title match as Chris Benoit and Edge take on La Resistance. We talked about this quite a bit in our last episode about La Res as the tag champions, wondering why maybe they didn't put. Uh, uh, to Jerry and Rhino over them. But it seemed like they had a plan here because Edge and Benoit, despite their issues, end up winning the tag titles. Uh, you know, the, obviously they're doing the kind of wacky partners that don't get along thing here. Um, Bischoff is punishing La Resistance for not eliminating Eugene during a match with him. This is, you know, kind of whatever. Edge ends up basically walking out on Benoit. So Benoit shrugs it off and takes La Rez apart by himself. Again, I guess looking strong, even though he's in a reduced role, uh, still being put over as, as a, you know, dominating force out there wins the belts for himself for all intents and purposes. La Resistance feels very smoking guns, like mm. in 95, just kind of champions of a weak division. So that ends here. And I guess we'll, we'll see where things go. Um, as the edge heel turn continues, is he going to feud with Benoit? What are we going to do with the tag belts? Is Benoit going to lose them back? Kind of like, what's all at play? What's all at hand with this? Yeah. Um, imagine no. self, I went uh, two and a half. Yep. Um, everything you said, I went two and a quarter. I just thought it was just a tick sloppy. Uh, La Res, not enjoying them at all this season. Uh, we talked about that on the last episode. Uh, something else we're going to get into here. Christy Hemi mm. versus Carmella. Uh, Battle of Diva Search contestants. Uh, keep this one real brief. Uh, just went dud here. Um, absolutely no reason that these two should have been in a ring. Uh, whether you want to gimmick it up or not, uh, do the fan voting, doesn't matter. These two had no business being in there. All-time dud. Uh, the choices were the type of match. Lingerie pillow fight, 56%. Evening gown match, 33 Aerobics challenge, 10 uh, Of course, this was the two finalists of the Diva Search. Uh, Christy Hemi was a model. Carmella was a model. Carmella was also married to, uh, or sorry, uh, dating Jeff Garcia, who was you know quarterback at the time. I think he was still with the Niners at this point. Uh, Carmella also had been in Playboy. She was Playmate of the Year. Uh, it also was pretty polarizing, I believe. Like she didn't really make a lot of friends during that. But I think Duty assumed she would win, um, just because she was most well known. And I'm uh, guessing they thought she was the hottest of the group. 
Uh, but Christie ended up actually winning the, the contract and the diva search, but they signed Carmella anyway. Uh, so pretty much rendered the whole thing useless unless you assume she got less money than Christie. So that's the nod there. Um, ended up setting this up. So Carmella doesn't really last long. I think they realized how bad she was, despite the Jeff Garcia playboy ties. Uh, after seeing this, it's just a disaster. Um, it's her final appearance, and uh, she ends up getting in trouble for a bar brawl with, <laughs> afterward. Uh, kind of gets a little bit more notoriety as Garcia's girlfriend as part of that. So uh, Dud as well. It's it's you know I would we talked about on our last show. Tomko and Stevie being one of the worst matches we've seen, but I think this this may be the worst match we've seen in this project. And it's not like it's like super quick either. I mean, it's you know two minutes. It should be ten seconds. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels it's two minutes. It feels like twenty two minutes. Yeah, bad shit. All right, next up we have Triple H defending the World Heavyweight Title against Shawn Michaels. Fifteen minutes. Uh, Triple H wins after Edge comes in and spears Michaels. He was pissed because he lost the vote. Shawn Michaels had been voted in at thirty-eight point seven two percent. Edge at thirty-three. Benoit at twenty-seven. So, uh, Shawn really they were kind of nudging. It seemed like they were nudging him on Raw, um, but Michaels actually had a knee injury during this time period. Had a torn meniscus, uh, but didn't want to miss the match, especially after he was voted on. He ends up winning, uh, and I actually like this match quite a bit. Like I thought they did a good job building the story around the knee. I went three and a half stars. What I like about it is all the other triple H shot matches usually are like, and we talked about this at bad blood, right? Filled with nonsense and drawn out and weapons and blood and insanity and story, like all this crap. And I think it's why the December 03 match is so well regarded because it's just a match. And so is this, like they kept it simple. It's Triple H building a story around battering the injured near Sean and Sean being uh, gutsy and fighting through it and doing whatever he can to hang tang tight until Edge ends up screwing him to push Edge's heel turn along more. So I thought the finish was well done. The booking was basic and it's a nice little match. And I thought it held up as such when I watched it back this time. Yeah, I mean, this is Sean at his best. This is Sean selling a realistic injury, uh, even if it is a uh, you know, pussyfoot injury like the one he had in 1997. Um, but no, I, I did enjoy this. I went three and a half as well. Um, I think one of the better matches that these two have, and it's just because they didn't try to outthink the room. It's just a pretty uh, straightforward, straight ahead pro wrestling match. Um, and that really does serve uh, the two of these really well. All right, uh, uh, set up our main event, Marcus. Yeah, let's get to it. Um, main event that I'd forgotten about. Uh, felt like mm-hmm. a bonus match almost, but it is Randy Orton taking on Ric Flair as we still get the fallout of Evolution. Uh, and it is going to be a steel cage match. Uh, pull up the fan voting here. Uh, our options were, of course, steel cage match, falls count anywhere, or a submission match. And by a landslide, it is the steel cage match with a 68% win share there. Um I like this match a good bit. I went three and a half. Uh, really good babyface fire from Orton. I thought this was Flair turning back the clock just a little bit. And these two didn't overstay their welcome, maybe because some of the other matches might have ran long. Um, but this one clocked in at, I want to say it's 15 minutes. Uh, having a hard time finding the match times right now. But uh, it's not long. Yeah, uh, actually, it was 10 and a half. 10, okay. Yeah, so they're sure in and out. Uh, it, it really accelerated, but it doesn't, it's a sprint, but it, they're, they're, it doesn't deliver like, Hey, we're short on time. Like, right. um, it felt longer than what it was in a good sense. So, uh, yeah, three and a half for me. What'd you think JT? 
Yeah, I went three and a half as well. It's it's a really fun match. Um, and I was glad they gave Orton the closer spot after um, the title match because, you know, still trying to present him as a top face at least. And the and the the brief build to this was good too. Like, Orton said he wanted the old Ric Flair. He wanted the real Ric Flair, not the lapdog, right? So he's trying to get in Flair's head as, are you a washed up bum just, you know, carrying Triple H's bags or you're still the freaking nature boy, right? So that's what he wanted. Um, so I, I thought this was really well done. The story's good. And it's just to the point. Like, they get in there. It's an old-school cage match. They go toe-to-toe. Flair uses the brass knocks. Orton hits the RKO. Pins him, right? It's not an escape. Pins him in there. So, like, it just felt like a classic old-school, um, you know, quick, hard-hitting battle inside the steel cage. It was high energy. The crowd was into it. It was a fresh matchup. And then they end up having Flair kind of do the respect nod as well. So, um, yeah, I liked that. I went three and a half to wrap up the uh, pay-per-view. Uh, Scott's car, by the way, that died was a Plymouth breeze in 2004. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, all right. So if you take all of our match grades and average them out, so for that main event, we both went three and a half. That means our average grade is three and a half. We then, uh, go plus minus over what we consider to be a replacement level, right? So a replacement level match for us is two and a half. If this average was three and a half, it gets a plus one. Uh, if it's below that, it gets a minus. We net all the matches out. And that gives us a very poor total match score for this show, Marcus, of negative 3.25, which I believe has to be one of the worst in-ring shows we've seen. I'm guessing I'd have to look back. Wrestling Classic was negative 4.5. So that's worse than this. But this has got to be like a bottom three in-ring show based on our metrics here. Yikes. No way, no. Um, all right, let's get into our other categories. For build, we give a point for the voting concept. It's unique, it's different, it stands out, it's memorable. We give a point for Shelton Benjamin being built up to this point to be a believable IC contender. A point for Snisky organically getting over with the wasn't my fault. A point for the Eugene Bischoff, as, as awkward as it's been through a lot of it. it. It is a long-term angle. Like It's been building since April, really, uh, with the two of them. Uh, a point for Sean's knee injury playing into the match. A point for Orton working his way through all of Evolution and then taking out Flair to prove himself. And then I guess a point, you know, we give a point for trying Tuesday night as the pay-per-view. They built it well. Yeah. Yeah, they put in a good effort there. Um, let's get into the minuses and build. Uh they are still unsure how to approach the women's division, division mixing the title and some of their best workers uh, in the women's division with TNA, uh, with the special stipulations and that kind of presentation. Failure, failure to truly establish Edge or Benoit over Michaels, um, who is you know a, a proven out. Uh, mm-hmm. He has yet to get the best of Triple H, and he's injured. Uh, Kane becoming a face is <laughs> in the, in this uh, in this era in this awful. angle. Uh, is truly awful and just you know really gross to do, and the terrible rush feud culminating in ring between Carmella and Christy Hemi, Ugh. neither of which are ready. All right, so that's a three for build, so pretty decent for the show despite uh, the bad matches. Commentary we gave a point for good you know the good work put over Snitsky as an asshole, uh, a point for the breakdown of Edge's psychology and a slow you know descent into this heel turn and madness, and a point for finally. Uh, describing and explaining Eugene's character and ignorant competence well, like why he's the way he is, the way he apes the moves. The, you know, they kind of get into it without the jokes for once. So that was fine too. Yeah. Uh, feels like they're finally nailing that mm-hmm. character delivery a little late here. Let's get into the minuses on commentary. We've got King all horned up immediately after the diva vote. King, 
King should not be around anything schoolgirl related. So minus two there. Uh, King stroking it during the strip show. Obnoxious King obsessing and berating uh, over Sean faking uh, his pussy pussyfoot injury, uh, and Jr. being gullible, believing that Sean is hurt. Which again, that's something I think carried over from Bad Blood, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, you know, with Edge possibly faking a legitimate injury. Yes, so, yes, that's right. Uh, we haven't gotten away from that yet this this season. All right, so we're negative two for commentary. Uh, let's talk atmosphere. It's a small crowd, but a lot going on. A big pop for. Uh, Jericho, a big pop for Stacy, who was really over. A uh, big pop for Eugene, a point for Vince's big pop when he comes out. A point for Benoit's pop when he wins. A point for Shawn Michaels' pop. Uh, a point for the crowd being all in on that Shawn Hunter match. A point for Ric Flair, the crowd was super into him. And a point mm-hmm. for the uh, computer-themed entrance set, which which was pretty cool looking. Yeah, definitely a good look for the show. Uh for the minuses, we got the crowd booing every single <laughs> every single option for the Intercontinental title mm-hmm. match, uh, except for maybe Batista. But really, nobody um, really justified being over uh, in that segment. Uh, the crowd right into the puppies chant as soon as the women match starts. Uh, the crowd is completely checked out on the tag team title match, and the crowd is dead, uh, rightfully so, for the Christie and Carmella nonsense. So that's a five for atmosphere. I mean, for a tiny crowd with like kind of a weird show, the, they were pretty engaged. So yeah, good on them. All right, let's get to notable moments. Uh, we gave a point for Shelton Benjamin winning the IC title, a point for Cena getting his revenge, uh, a point for Trish Stratus's all-time outfit here, a point for Snitsky destroying Kane, breaking his throat and beating him clean, uh, a point for Snitsky dumping Kane on the stretcher, a point for Bischoff having his head shaved. A point for Vince making Coach wear the dress and saying, don't be a slut, button it up. And then mocking Bischoff's die job, calling him what a phony son of a bitch. <laughs> a point for Edge's character growth toward a heel turn, uh, woven in all throughout the night. A point for Benoit and Edge winning the tag titles. A point for Orton main eventing the show, winning clean, even without the title in the picture and getting put over by Ric Flair. So a lot of memorable moments all throughout this. Yeah, uh, for what could be a throwaway show, they really put their best foot forward there. Uh, looking into the minuses, we've got poor grammar in the voting results on screen, such as schoolgirls with an apostrophe S uh, when there should be no apostrophe and some other examples. But that's just one of them. Uh, Lita suddenly caring about Kane after he is uh, so her is uh, pretty dumb and offensive. So we went minus two there. Uh, Law resistance looking like bums losing to a you know thrown together tag team. Uh, within a couple of, of minutes there. Carmella's shoulder is clearly up when Christy wins uh, and the ref counts three. Mm-hmm. King even has to point that out. And no build uh, during the main event of the show. It really felt like a, a, a pop-up main event, uh, just kind of completely forgotten about. All right. Uh, so that's a plus four. So again, a lot of moments on this oft-maligned uh, card. Negative 3.25 for match grades. Card structure, card structure. Here we go. We give a point for the hot start with the anything can go gimmick with Benjamin winning the title. And then another point for stacking the two big matches at the top of the card. But there's a lot wrong here, Marcus, isn't there? Sure is. Let's get into it. Um, now, this comes with the territory, but there's a lot of downtime uh, revealing mm-hmm. the, the vote results. Um, they haven't figured that out, how really to integrate that kind of technology into the programming yet. We got the Bischoff match going into the haircut segment. That really drags on and takes up a lot of pay-per-view time. Uh, Long, boring tag match after the Bischoff match. Just really made for a tough stretch there. 
um, Carmella and Christie, the strip show and the vote reveal, and that match dragging on way more than needed to. Especially those two, like they're not even workers yet. Like just way too much to to ask of them, put them in that situation. Uh, a long full card and the vote results replays uh, before the main event. Super short main event after all the absurd ab- absurd filler and match type options are all similar uh, per match. Like you know, what's the difference really between a no holds barred match, a falls count anywhere match, and you know a, a lights out match, for example? Like you're getting the same structure right. of a match. Um, so it's just kind of the illusion of choice, really. Um, you know, maybe there was a couple examples of an actual choice that night that felt like it, you know, like Shelton. Um, but other than that, everything was pretty straight ahead. A lot of leading the witness on this night. So that gives a negative five for car structure, which really is seemingly going to tank this show. Um, Rewatchability, we gave a point for Snitsky throwing Kane off the stretcher and Vince's comedy hour just roasting Coach Bischoff. was pretty funny. Had me laughing. Uh, yeah, and uh, do not check the show out for the lamest strip show ever. Ah, oh, just brutal. Like, only they could make this completely unsexy. Uh, not entertaining at all, but that's a one for rewatchability. We have a minus two for all-time bad matches with Christy Carmella and Eugene Bischoff. So not helping there. And that nets out Marcus to... A point seven five. Oof. That is uh, quite low for us. It is now the fifth worst show we've covered. Knocks Unforgiven up into out of the bottom five. <laughs> uh, into the top it, ten. Yes. The prophecy's be- been fulfilled. <laughs> just below it is WrestleMania 11, Night of Champions 11, Wrestling Classic, and Over the Limit 11. Um, so a lot of 11s in there. But uh, Taboo Tuesday, barely above zero, break even which on our system is pretty hard to do. Like we've talked mm-hmm. about, like you gotta be pretty bad. So, you know, out of the, whatever, 51, 52 ish shows we've talked about here. This is uh, one of the worst, which I think would hold. I think most people remember it that way. Yeah. It's again, it's, it's kind of big on some of the moments. Um, and I guess like the vibe of the show, you know, they did a good job with like the computer screen and like the keyboard entrance and stuff like that. Um, Again, it's a concept, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, they didn't exactly have the execution down. It, it felt like they had done like a dry one, a dry run, kind of, um, but just really went out there and kind of winged it. And, you know, sometimes that works out really well and sometimes it doesn't. And I thought on this night it didn't. Yeah, uh, you know, credit for the gimmick idea, credit for trying something different. It's just, again, the the depth is what the depth is really what, you know, kills them. It just like some of these SmackDown shows as well, but the raw depth really hurts. Like not being able to fill some of this out. I think some of the voting stuff didn't hurt either. Like you, you loaded all those guys in the IC title vote. Why not have them have a match if they didn't win? Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of talent in that crew too. So there was ways that could have filled this out. The Carmella Christie thing should have been a raw, not on pay-per-view. Yeah. That's for sure. So there's definitely, definitely ways they could have probably tightened this up. I mean, I know Sean was hurt. That doesn't go that long. Orton Flair is only 10 minutes. It's like there's ways they could have probably fluffed up the card a little bit better and, and you know, made it more robust. But. Yep. All right, let's fast forward to November 14, 2004 for Survivor Series from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. 7,500 uh, in attendance, a 0.59 buy rate. 
Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole, and the Taz all on commentary. <laughs> Uh, our Sunday Night Heat match saw La Resistance, who are back as tag champions, uh, defeating Hurricane and Rosie to retain those belts. So we'll talk about that. Um, and then we'll dive right into our actual pay-per-view uh, show here. As Spike Dudley successfully defends his Cruiserweight title against Billy Kidman, Chavo Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio, who's kind of back into the Cruiserweight division. Chavo returned to TV after the injury, uh, and Teddy Long just kind of made this match. It's also, sadly, you know, we just talked about No Mercy maybe being the, the launching point for a Kidman push. This is his last pay-per-view, Marcus. What? Uh, he breaks his orbital bone in January. Oh. He's back in March, and him and Paul London have a brief feud uh, over the Cruiserweight title, but then he's released in June. Um, it sounds like he got into a fight with management over some kind of policy change about first-class flights. Uh, so he'd be on the indie circuit, and then he'd come back as a trainer and eventually a producer. I think he's still there now, right? And that was like a yeah. line, So And now he's an actual employee getting uh, employee benefits, not contractor. Uh, right. You know, independent contractor, uh, short end of the stick. So uh, I'd say Kidman won that one. Yes, I would say so as well. So he's he's back nowadays. But at this point, it's his final um, final pay-per-view. So kind of sad. Uh, Spike would retain. I think it's a fine opener. I always appreciate that they throw the cruiserweights out there. Uh, to try and get things going, get the crowd into it. I went three and a quarter. Spike retains. He escapes with his belt. Um, Chavo even busted out a gory bomb, but Spike steals the win. So pretty pretty nonstop opener. Uh, and it was, you know, a tight nine minutes for four guys that really kind of chug along. Yeah, I think this season's been a bit of a surprise with the cruiserweights um, and, like, their presentation, uh, even though the matches are pretty, you know, WWE-ified. Mm-hmm. Um they are somewhat different from the rest of what we're seeing. It's not just main event style uh, among smaller athletes. So uh, three and a quarter for me as well. Uh, this did a great job getting things started. Um, so our next match, keeping things going, uh, this time on the Raw side, is going to be for the Intercontinental title as Shelton Benjamin retains against Christian. Uh, and Christian has a little bit of a different presentation, as we'll get into later on the show. Um, but I really enjoyed this matchup. Um, I mean, this is pretty straightforward. It's, it's just, it's, it's two pros going at it. It's Christian leading Benjamin a little bit, but Benjamin definitely keeping up, uh, and, and really bringing the energy when people say people being myself (laughs) say that, uh, Christian is a, uh, a top 25 Mm -hmm. GWW superstar. This is a match I'd point to, um, right. At this point in time, who's getting this kind of match out of a you know still relatively green Shelton Benjamin? Mm-hmm. Uh, they pull out all the stops. There's uh, you know some ref stuff there. There's some some really good false finishes. Uh, I would go back and 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 check this match out again. Uh, I'd give it the big two thumbs up. So 3.75 for me. Way over delivered. Way over delivered uh, from the two spot on the pay per view. Yeah, uh, I agree. I went three and a half. And this is the type of match I keep clamoring for like Owen Hart to have when we talk about case mm. or even like a Mr. Perfect a DiBiase. Like right when Aaron and I do this on Noah's Bar, we break down our GWE lists and we keep saying, like, where are those matches? Like this is the match like Christian and, and Shelton have it three and a half stars on pay-per-view out of nowhere. Don't get a ton of time, but they make it count mm-hmm. like those are lacking for some of those other guys you would expect to see it from more consistently. Yep. So, yes, it's a quality win for Shelton. He continues to grow in the role. Good on Christian to put him over uh, and and have us chug along. 
Uh, next up, we have our first official Survivor Series style match, uh, traditional Survivor Series style match of the night. As Eddie Guerrero, The Big Show, Rob Van Dam, and John Cena defeat Kurt Angle, Mark Jindrak, Luther Reigns, and Carlito. Uh, Guerrero, Show, and Cena are the souls. Uh, uh, I guess that's soul in the three of them are the survivors. Um, so three of the four. RVD is the only one eliminated. Carlito, of course, is the son of Carlos Colon. He had uh, been around for a little bit in developmental um, and ended up show, debuting in October uh, and pretty much made quite the statement because he came out and defeated John Cena for the U.S. title in his debut. So that's something that, you know, be trumpeted for quite a while as like a big moment. That's Carlito won the belt. Uh, the truth is uh, Cena was going off TV to film the Marine. So they do an angle where Carlito attacks Cena in a nightclub. And uh, Cena during that bar fight was uh, stabbed and had a punctured kidney. So that takes him off TV for a bit. And we find out again that Carlito was there. Um, and uh, Carlito's buddy Jesus would be the prime suspect. But we'll pick that up more over the next month. The match itself is fine as a classic Survivor Series style match. I will say I thought it was actually a little disappointing given the talent that's in there. If the pacing feels a little bit off, it, it's a little squashy. Um, they kind of make Angle's team look like a bunch of jokes, honestly. And Carlito doesn't do much either. It just goes 12 and a half minutes. And again, I think it's the crowds into it. It's it's fun spots, but overall, it's just kind of there. It's uh, average two and a half stars on our war scale. Yeah, uh, 2.75 for me, just a little tick higher. Um, but agree with everything you said. Um, I do want to ask you, did you put together the possible coincidence slash implication of the Cologne family's involvement uh, with the tragic stabbing of Bruce Brody over in Puerto Rico. Um, did you equate that at all with uh, Carlos? Uh, no, and, I did not actually. Cena? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty, you know, whether you want to call that a gentle ribbing, um, some kind of happenstance or coincidence, but um, yeah, it's, it's tough to pull off, and it's one of the more, like, jarring, realistic things they've ever done to, like, or incorporate into a storyline. Like, you know, it's, oh, somebody got ran over by a car. Like, oh, that's wrestling. You know, somebody got jumped. That's wrestling. But, like, a, a stabbing? Like, that's, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think it's crossing a line there. Um, but, yeah, we can talk more about that later. Uh, 2.75 for me. Cena looked uh, absolutely on fire. And, uh, yeah, you know, good guys up and, and kind of gave everybody a, a happy point, uh, you know, getting close to halfway through the show. Um, as we get halfway through the show, it takes us to a big grudge match here as Heidenreich goes one-on-one with The Undertaker. For almost 16 minutes, 15.58 is your official time. Uh, I went with a war grade of two for this match. Just way too long for my liking. Mm-hmm. Um, 16 minutes. Yeah. The, 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 any specialty, any R that the Undertaker had back at like Judgment Day when he faced Booker, that is gone by now. Yes. Um, completely overexposed. Um, yeah. I got nothing else to say about this match. Not good. I went to it a quarter. I mean, Heidenreich at least had some energy. He was moving around a lot. His selling was fine. Uh, he absorbed a lot of punishments. And I thought the last ride looked pretty good, too, at the end. 
Um, so it was fine. Like I, I would think they overdelivered, honestly, at a two. Like, like going into this on paper, you would think it's gonna be a lot worse, but it is too long. It's 16 minutes. We don't need it to be that long. And I agree. The special and and Cole doesn't even say it anymore. Remember, we talked about it a bunch of Judgment Day, or whatever. Cole only on pay per view or like a special appearance by the Undertaker. Like that's gone. He's just another guy on the roster again now. So, um, yeah. That's about it for that match. Not much else to say there. Let's go on to our next one, which is very interesting. It is a women's match. The women's titles on the line is Trish Stratus defeats Lita by disqualification in just a minute and a half. But that doesn't tell the story because this is an awesome moment uh, where Lita just snaps due to all the bill. Trish, you know, tormenting her at the wedding, calling her a loser, saying she's the kiss of death, that she's a baby kid, like all this stuff that she said she's killed so many things. She killed S.A. Rios, the Hardy Boys, the show Dark Angel, my Hardy singles <laughs> career. She killed Kane, uh, her baby. These are all the careers she ended. Uh, so great stuff. Uh, so Lita's just like had it with her. She comes out and just fucking loses it. Uh, grabs a chair, beats the shit out of Trish with it. Trish's nose is broken. Uh, blood is spewing from it. Uh, Trish selling it awesome. I'm, I'm, I think it's because it was really broken. So good on her. Um, just a great visual. This diva match needed something to it. Like, I'm not saying I'm crazy about these types of finishes on pay-per-view, but here I'm good with it because it was like a shot of adrenaline to the crowd. It's a wild brawl. And it felt earned. It felt legitimate as Lita just wanted to maim Trish and she leaves her bloody mess on the floor. So I thought this was a pretty awesome moment. I just went like two stars because kind of, I don't know, like it's not really a match, but as a segment, it was really, really well done. Yeah, I would have went two stars, but I went a tick higher at 2.5 um, just because of the intensity. And I'm a sucker for um, any time that the the match matches up with the storyline heading in, especially when like, mm-hmm. you get a recap video. So like, if you're thinking like, you know, Oh, Lita's watching the TV in the back as she's warming up and like, she gets reminded of <laughs> all the stuff that Trish said to her. Like, yeah, she should come up, uh, come out fired up like this. So yes. uh, I thought this was awesome. Two and a half. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Trish and Lita, hopefully getting some more run this season. Uh, it seems like we've left the, TNA kind of stuff in the back, um, in in the in the rearview mirror. We have an actual program now for the women's title between our top two stars in the women's division. Um, speaking of top two stars, on the SmackDown side of things, we are going to have JBL retaining the WWE Championship by defeating the recently turned face Booker T. Uh, I went with a WAR score of three for this match. Um. It's 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 good. It's it's not great. Um, I, a lot of these JBL matches have kind of been hovering around mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, I think you'd like to see more out of your WWE Championship match, more out of your SmackDown main event. Um, but it did have some high points with Booker T hitting a um a bookend on the floor. Um, Booker can bring the intensity to kind of get the crowd behind him and and. Put a hot stretch together, which makes you believe, you know, all right, he's going to, you know, uh, close this match out and win the belt. But um, it doesn't happen. JBL retains. Um, I went with three. Yeah, I I went uh, with three as well. It, it's uh, you kind of nailed it. Like JBL has grown a lot as a character during this run. 
but in ring it's it's been much of the same it's you know outside of the eddie bloodbath it's been a lot of just like two and three quarters to three stars just a basic brawl he's very limited obviously on offense still at this point and booker we talked about it with cena the matches with cena like there's just not much there for him either at this point like he's not a guy that's going to carry dudes above their limit um he's not gonna drag him down either though so like he's fine here i think he's better off in the face role which he he's not fully face yet but he's he's kind of tweenering his way there um josh matthews gets involved i mean it's a nice close from hell but it's kind of random i know him and booker have been kind of positioned as buddies but mm-hmm. um and then you get the dq which i'm fine with too it felt very horseman with like you know jbl had the other chicken shit heel kind of having his title saved for him again and again so they continue to build heat for this reign i think booker had a good showing comes up short yet again we'll see if he continues on as a challenger in any way so i think three stars it, it felt like fine i'm nothing i'd rush back to watch so yeah um i've forgotten about the dq finish so i guess watch we'll change booker t i guess wins that match no, JBL actually. Oh, JBL him. wins. Okay, it wasn't so. a DQ. They used the belt and Eddie pinned him. So okay, okay, pinned him. okay, okay. I knew, I knew it was a shady finish, but. Okay. All right, main event is another traditional Survivor Series match as Randy Orton, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Maven, of all people, take on Triple H, Batista, Snitsky, and Edge. And this is actually a pretty fun stretch of Raw. Bischoff basically quit or took a vacation the night after taboo Tuesday said he was tired of being abused uh, and quickly left the arena says he was going to leave the inmates to run the asylum. And that led to uh, a bunch of faces banding together to take over the show, tired of evolution, uh, bullying everyone. So Maven kind of stepped up and joined that group. Uh, Evolution ends up asking Sinsky to join the team um, as well, because he was obviously, you know, building himself up as a threat. And there's a good step involved here too, where, uh, the winners, the winning team would get to run the next four weeks of Raw during Bischoff's official vacation. So each of the members of the winning team would get one week apiece to run the show over the next month. So, again, a pretty cool idea. Uh, Maven was attacked backstage uh, earlier in the show. So this match starts four on three. He does end up coming out uh, and gets a pretty nasty receipt on Snitsky. Just crushes him with a chair shot after he got leveled with one in the back. <laughs> um, Snitsky ends up with a hard way, nasty cut across his forehead. Uh, just disgusting. And then Siski, yeah, unleashes one on Maven. Just <laughs> some nasty stuff. Just murders him with a chair shot. Um, the match was really, really good until we get down to the final three. And that's Orton versus Edge and Hunter. And the match just died. The crowd got very, the match got boring here. The crowd got bored. Uh, you know, Orton ends up taking up both guys and winning the match. So they're continuing to try and build him. Like we talked about, like, the, yeah, they took the belt off him quickly, but they want to now rebuild him for the big win again over Triple H of Mania. That seems to be the plan. So for the second straight year, he's a sole survivor at Survivor Series, and now him and his buddies will run Raw for the next four weeks. So, again, I, I think it's a pretty good classic Survivor match. I just thought the end really dragged ground to a halt when we get to the final three. Uh, so I went three and a quarter. And that sums up the show for me. Like, it's nothing great, but nothing bad. Like, uh, outside of the women's match, it wasn't really a match. Like, everything was two and a quarter to three and a, half, a quarter for me. So, or three and a half. So, it's like a pretty decent little spread. Nothing bad, nothing great. Yeah, I went 3.75. Um, but kind of the same feeling and sentiment about the match. Um, I think I'm really high on uh, <laughs> that Maven segment uh, of the match and him coming back out and the crowd is on fire for him. Uh, it might be the you know second biggest highlight of his career. Um, but yeah, that whole little 
uh, piece of business with Snitsky. Uh, Snitsky gets hard weight on a uh, uh, an Ariba, Ariba forearm. A, uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, it, it slices him real good. Um, and uh, Snitsky, of course, gets his receipt back with uh, <laughs> with interest uh, with that chair shot. So uh, that was just a you know a, a blood boiling segment. I mean, those guys are running hot um testosterone filled um (laughs) everything i want to see in wrestling but still uh, some pretty gross stuff but i really enjoyed the uh the stakes that this match had um this is the kind of originality i think fans are clamoring for for survivor series for the last Mm -hmm. eight years if not more uh just put some kind of stakes on the big survivor series you know concept match at the end like do something please like Enough with invisible brand supremacy. Thankfully, we didn't get that here. Um, yeah, I, I like the Bischoff stuff. I like um, the winning team getting control of Raw for the next four weeks. Um, and it makes you think, like, Triple H, Batista, they want to win it so that, you know, Triple H doesn't have to face potentially four championship matches uh, in the upcoming weeks. So, yeah, all around good stuff here. All right, so that wraps up the wrestling uh, portion here. And if you net out our match grades, it's a pretty strong 3.25, Marcus. So just a good, solid car. Like we said, not a ton of down, um, not a ton of, nothing great. You know, we both top your, your highest grades are three and three quarters, mine three and a half, but nothing sunk below two, which is pretty strong for this year here. We have at least had like a dud on every show. So um, solid outing at Survivor Series in ring, which makes sense. It's co-branded, right? Mm-hmm. We don't We don't have the lack of depth permeating this card so yeah all right let's get to our other categories for build we gave a point for the kidman guerrero angle uh being built at the cruiserweight match a point for spike as the bully king of the cruiserweight division carrying on a point for carlito uh debuting winning the u.s title and stabbing john cena within a few weeks a point on Paul Heyman being hell-bent on this Undertaker revenge, even partnering with the unstable Heidenreich. A point for Savage Trish Stratish slaughtering Lita about her trauma. Uh, a point for the organic Booker rise to being top contender without an overt forced face turn. And a point for the really good uh, build-up to the raw control with the madness, with evolution versus revolution and all that stuff going on that we covered uh, going on a Raw during this time. Yeah, uh, not too many in the minus category, but let's check them out. We've got a microwave program for the Intercontinental title match. Taker really being carried through feuds on TV. Um, not really being fully present, relying a lot on Paul Heyman and uh, you know some of the supernatural aspects of that character. And the Heidenreich continued push. Uh, I think he absolutely sucks out loud, um, mm-hmm. despite some of his uh, explosive offense. Uh, I'm just not here for Heidenreich. All right, that's the plus four, though, for build. So really well-built show. Uh, commentary, really good job hyping SmackDown being the exclusive home of the Cruiserweight division, but not going over the top with it, right? They kind of they kind of hinted in there, but they're not beating it into you. Uh, a point for the commentary putting over Shelton Benjamin's athleticism. A point for the strong work putting over Heidi Reich as a threat and a tough out for The Undertaker. Uh, a point for the big night, uh, you know, it, it, all one point, the Heidi Reich getting him over as a heel. A point for Luther Reigns. I will forever give a point for that. One of my favorite <laughs> calls of all times. Uh, and a point for the Raw team doing a, a good job explaining the motivation in the main event and everyone involved there. Yeah, uh, and only one minus, and that is King trolling JR on and off all night. Uh, it gets pretty old, and it really feels forced by this point. Um, a lot of replacement-level um, material on commentary, and I think that is because of, like you said, the uh, 
the the dual branded nature of the pay-per-view um they can't really settle in for three hours uh and get comfortable it's a lot of back and forth with the matches right yep agreed um so that's a plus four so again a strong outing on commentary atmosphere let's see the crowd invested in the cruiserweight match which is not always the case like we talked about we don't have any really i guess rays in there which helps but um they do a good job locking them in a uh, point for the crowd really ebbing into the IC title match, peaking at the finish. They really won them over, and they, they got in hot for the end. Uh, a point for the big pop for John Cena, being positioned as a guy. He comes out last for his team. A point for the uh, taker entrance. That's all you get a point. A point for the chaotic vibe for Lita and Trish. Works well within the story of Lita destroying her. A point for the steady crowd engaged all night. Sure, they're not super hot at times, but they're never dead. There's always a buzz. Uh, and a point for the big pop for Orton winning. And we give a pop for the uh, comic illustrations, which is unique. You don't get that too often uh, for the match graphics. They have a the little kind of uh, cartoon graphics of each guy. Yeah, I thought the the cartoon slash comic graphics were really iconic for the show. Um, again, pretty light in the minus section. Uh, it's a good, solid vibe overall. Um, but the big pops were lacking a little bit. Feels like some of those um, reactions for the top faces are a little bit tepid here. That's a plus seven atmosphere, Marcus. So a really strong outing yeah. uh, for this show. Just, the crowd is very into the big stars. All right, notable moments and importance. We didn't talk about this, but this show does have the infamous Snitsky and Heidenreich Creeper showdown backstage. I really like you, Gene. I really like you, John, or whatever he says, uh, where they're like seething to each other. And I think we have another one, too. Uh, yes. Later on, but Snitsky says, I like the, your poetry. And Heiderich says, I like the way you beat up or assault babies or whatever. So, you hate uh, babies or something. Yeah, hate babies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, a point for that. A point for the debut of Christian Zoo theme, Don't Close Your Eyes, which, of mm-hmm. course, is for Blonde. It's a famous, uh, well received theme song. A point for the low key seed planting of Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle uh, as they're arguing. Uh, you know, and, and kind of Angle and Edge arguing and tying in Michael. So uh, planting seeds for next year. A uh, point for the pay-per-view debut of Carlito. A point for the uh, Cena elevation. As he comes out last, he helps uh, survive along Big Show and Eddie Guerrero with a dominant win. A point for Trish having her nose broken, which will lead to some fun stuff over the next month. And a point for Orton pinning Triple H to win control of Raw for his team. All right. Yeah. Um, WWE, the music... Thematic volume six, track four, just close your eyes. <laughs> I can go. tell you that one got a lot of play mm-hmm. uh, for me. Uh, it's probably my favorite track off that uh, off that little CD there. Uh, for our minuses, we've got the awkward angle pin on RVD. A little confusing, a little bit botched um, in execution. Uh, team angle looking like a whole bunch of goofs overall. Uh, Maven really gets jobbed out uh, of his spot backstage. After finally being elevated, uh, after a couple years of kind of just, you know, hanging around the mid card, Triple H giving his master plan on camera like some big stupid movie villain, uh, just way too obvious. Orton feels a little bit lost here, not super over. Uh, Again, they cut off his water. They're trying to heat him back up. Um, You know, could have been rebooked several different ways to much better success. Uh, And his momentum feels kind of knifed despite the push. Um, Edge's big push happens but uh he still can't be the last man standing um and he's really just another flunky uh for triple h um now that (laughs) orton's out of the group so he kind of just kind of fills in there Mm -hmm. um being a a, a pawn for triple h so really a lateral move for edge um we're not really feeling that 
Um, but I believe that brings us to a total score of one for that category. Yeah, tough one because the show was really kind of climbing to a potential top of our rankings, but a lot of big moments, but a lot of bad moments to wipe it out. So uh, match grades went 3.25, like we talked about. For card structure, we gave a point for opening with a big cruiserweight match, and with Ray, it's a good choice. A point for the slow, uh, for the smooth flow of matches. No BS, match, match, match. And a point for the good use of the classic Survivor Series matches in important spots, right? They're not throwaways, they're not wastes. They feature the top guys in each brand. Yeah, uh, our minus for card structure here was Taker and Heidenreich being our second longest match on the card. I thought that was a bold move. Okay, so it's a plus two on card structure. Rewatchability, we gave a point for the bookend on the floor and for Lita smashing Trisha's nose. And for minuses, uh, (laughs) as as, uh, visceral as it was to watch, uh, Snitsky's unprotected chair shot on Maven was absolutely brutal. brutal. Just brutal. Murders him. Uh, So plus one there. No all-time matches either way. But, Marcus, this nets out a very strong score of 22.25. And this one caught me off guard. Like, I knew this is a, you know, a solid show. I did not expect it to be our 10th best show that we watched so far above takeover Phoenix above backlash. Oh, four above survivor series, 11 above takeover Brooklyn. Like, I mean, it's above like some pretty big shows. Uh, but I, again, it just, the matches were all solid. So not a lot of negatives there An engaged crowd helped a lot. Build was strong. And yeah, just the, the commentary was good again, just, there weren't nothing, no negatives out. They had no negative categories as a net, like no negative outweighed the positive, And it just, you know, kept piling up. So based on our show, uh, metrics here, when you look at the whole of a show, Survivor Series 04 is the 10th best paper we watched so far. Did that surprise you? Um, I thought it would be top 20. So top 10 uh, definitely overperformed a little bit uh, or quite a, quite a good bit. Um, you know, pretty sure it won't stay there uh, for too, too long. I think we've got mm-hmm. a really good uh, closing stretch this season coming up. But, um, you know, for the time being, you know, being a top 10 show out of the, what what did you say, 50, 50 shows are close to yeah. it that we've covered. Um, you know, that that's a really good finish for the show, especially since, uh, you know, with the exception of No Mercy, we kind of have been limping through this fall season. Um, but, you know, all the stories came together. Uh, all the stars aligned on this night and uh, put together a really good effort. Yeah, it's our 51st show we watched uh, here tonight. So, Tab of Tuesday was the 50th. Uh, so, yeah, finishes top 10. Um, what, you want to round out the rest of our top 10? So, so at 10 is Survivor Series 04 with 22 and a quarter. Right above it is No Way Out 2000 with a 22.5. Tied with that, but above it because it has a better match at the top of the card. And that's TakeOver Chicago 2, also with 22 and a half. SummerSlam 2011 with a score of 23. Fully loaded 99 with 26 and a quarter. NXT TakeOver War Games 2 with a 26.5. TakeOver New York 28.25. Roar Rumble 2000 with a 28.5. Money in the Bank 11 28.75. And the game breaker for us so far... (laughs) It is the SummerSlam 1999, our number one overall show so far, with an astronomical 38.25 war total. See if that gets touched uh, as we move forward. Uh, All right, so 
We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to cover Armageddon 2004 and New Year's Revolution 2005. So interesting pair of shows to cover. Uh, I know Armageddon historically not well too well regarded. We'll see if that changes at all with this watch. And then we'll see how we kick off the calendar year of 05. Uh, anything left you want to cover, Marcus, before we wrap up? Um, we are getting into the stretch of Rumble season. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we've also got a new pay-per-view we're going to be covering. So uh, I think that one has a pretty good match, uh, if my memory serves me correct. So I think we're in for a good closing stretch um, as we close out 2004 and get into 2005. Yeah, there's three more episodes left in this season already. So wow. Cruising along. Uh, excited to do it with you, buddy. We'll continue chugging along. Until then, everyone, stay living your life above replacement level. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.